What is this you're trying to tell me? You're telling me that Timmy fell in the well and we have to go get Mr. Peters? Number nine. No, that's not it. You put the emphasis on the wrong syllable on that one. Oh! Number nine. Don't be me. You're trying to tell me that it's episode nine of the Texas Curry Chicken Home Companion. Isn't that dumb? That's right. It's June 2017, and we're back with the ninth. That's right, number nine. The ninth big episode of the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Monkeys Podcast. This is Al Bigley with my broadcasting podcasting companion, Alan Williams. Yeah, we're glad that you're joining us. For, we're glad. We, come to find out, man, people seem to like episode eight. I don't know what it was. Uh, you know what it was? I bet it was because we mentioned Zilch. I think it was because it was very little of us and more of your interview with Arrow and some guy named Nishwash. Nishwash, yes, that's right. Some up-and-comer, Mike... Uh, uh, Mike's N- Nesbitt, Mishmash, yes. Nesbitt, right. uh, Mike Neffenberger, I think. There you go. But uh, how you been, man? I'm good. I've uh, died and come back to life, I think, seven times since we last recorded. And, ah. uh, I was run over in, in traffic once or twice. But It's nice to have the home defib unit here. As a shout-out to, a shout out to, to, to uh, Johnny and uh, Roy from Emergency, of course. And, of course, underneath this, I'll pipe in the music from that very sitcom that only seven people seem to remember. Although at the beach, I saw Emergency T-shirts. There was a retro shop. Had John and Roy on T-shirts. I love that show. wept open. Yeah. <laughs> Just because I love, I still love and hold a candle for Randy Mantooth. Randolph Mantooth wants to know. Don't judge. Just don't judge. So, it's funny. Since the last time we got together, there have been three major anniversaries, believe it or not. Uh, enlighten me. Okay. Two weeks ago, we had the 50th anniversary of the release of Headquarters. Last week, we not only had the 50th anniversary release of the greatest rock and roll album of all time, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band by that group said the man with the flaming pie said, you're Beatles with an A and we were. And then he came on later and said uh, to Davies, and the man with the flaming Kirshner said, you're monkeys with two E's and we were. I've heard of those Beatles. They they had the matching jackets, I think, and the that's right. The wigs and the uh, uh, they had the funny. They were the one that had that wouldn't get it, couldn't get into Disneyland because of the haircuts first. I thought so. Hmm. And we've also had the one year anniversary of Good Times, the fiftieth anniversary CD. Um, I love that show with JJ and Thelma and just Mike. Love that show. No, Al. What? The Monkey CD. Remember the oh, one that's from last right. year? That's yes. Last year. Oh, last Oy. year's a haze of just a blaze. <laughs> we were Dave. Sorry. See, see, here go the tangents already. Tangents. <laughs> Why don't we call this podcast Tangents? No, that wouldn't work. Because then the Tangerine people would probably come after us. Yeah. Or no, a- actually, yeah. DC would come after us with that tangent line that they did at one time. Remember, I a long time ago. Yeah, we just probably tried to blotted that, that way yeah, out of my so. mind. Anything DC's done in the last twenty years is true. But that's another podcast. Yes, another it time. is. <laughs> we'll start so, that later. <laughs> um, I wanted to touch briefly on this because we've never really discussed good times. But I'm just just for just a couple of minutes because we have a we have a a, a set agenda as it were <laughs> for once. Um, we always do. We just kind of stray get, from it constantly. <laughs> get a little distracted. But um, I know that you were never, you weren't the biggest fan of the two singles. But I love this album. This was this was the right album for them to do, and I'll tell you why. You were not a fan of, or the biggest fan of, she makes me laugh, and you bring the summer. But 
and thinking about it, Adam Schlesinger wanted this to be pretty much a monkey's 60s type album. Okay. So to me, that's what Andy Partridge and that's what um, uh, Rivers Cuomo wrote. They wrote songs specifically that they thought the monkeys would have sung back in that May 60, uh, June 66 to June 67 time frame before headquarters. I, I like to refer to it as uh, modern retro. And if you think about it, I mean, especially uh, you, bring, uh, you Bring the Summer, couldn't you hear that on KHJ in the mid '60s? And who would announce that? Let it be. Oh, uh, oh, you no, no. I'm not. No, get, I'm not doing. I'm not doing it. You won't go for the three twenty one KHJ. Jets at time of the real Don Steele. That monkey's exclusive. You bring the summer boss radio KHJ. Pause for the uh, the little bit of uh, radio jingles. Pause, pause I'm for put the in. KHJ bumper. Da, 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 da. But that's coming later. Mm-hmm. No, uh, I can see that. I really could. I think my disappointment just stemmed from them leaking those out and me thinking are we going to get a whole album of this kind of lightweight Archie's leftover material because the monkeys can do better well, well there's nothing wrong with those songs I just thought oh my it's pull it part two no but then you oh, but then of course you've got the, the three strongest songs of the album are Birth of an Accidental Hipster Me and Magdalena and I Know What I Know which no argument just, there which just happened to be Nez contributions. And when we get to our top five, you're going to hear a lot from me where Shh. I go, gee, it just happens you're to not, be you're not Nez g- contributions. Hey, hey, you're not supposed to do that yet. Oh. Oy. Don't. No, there's the gag. Spoiler. There's the ball gag. <laughs> you said you wouldn't use it on me again. <laughs> Spoiler alert. No, we're all going to have lots of fun here. But, I mean, I love the album. I think it was a great album. Again, I think Rhino dropped the ball on the on the promotion of it. But, again, that's another story for another time. So. Right. Oh, yeah, I love it, too. I'm happy. You know, everything's gravy when you're an original fan or close to it like I am. Any new thing, never never taking into consideration the fact that the attention this album got, mm-hmm. that it got such high accolades and awards and praise. Be- because it was kind of like, yeah, I, it was kind of like one of the Kirshner albums because they had all these great songwriters that were involved in it. You know, Rivers Cuomo, Andy Partridge, Adam Schlesinger, uh, Noel Gallagher, uh, Paul Weller. We should, if, well, we're not going to discuss it in depth, but no. because you mentioned that, we should bring up a, uh, a letter from a fan of our podcast that mentions his love of the album because they work with such strong songwriters. Mm-hmm. In fact, he put down our favorite Justice mm-hmm. because they didn't work with outside songwriters. But that, again, don't get that look. That's for a different no, no, no. podcast. Everybody's entitled their opinion, whether they're wrong or not. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Like most podcasts, we too need to devote probably a a portion coming up soon to uh, reactions and mail. Uh And if you haven't heard, ladies and gentlemen, you can react to what you hear. Uh, No jokes, please. At the Facebook page, which is now interactive. What? 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 That's right. You can go on there and throw your uh, praise to us, your... uh, your non-praise, as we call it uh, politely here. Anything, any any feedback you have at all, and we can discuss it here, or we can discuss it there, or both places, and it's a wonderful interactive way to absolutely interact with the interactives. That's right. And like I say, I've as I said this on my last promo, um, if you guys have something that you think you've heard about, but you've, you're not sure and you want to see if we've got it, Al has a tremendous, and I mean tremendous, archive of rare stuff. If we can find it, We'll get it on because I've seen some of it, and uh, it, it's on cassette. A lot of it's on cassette, That's but true. That's true. I've got some of it's on uh, uh, shellac uh, pressed uh, material, and, and it's it's heavy. It's heavy. It, it's off the back of c- uh, cereal boxes. That's right. <laughs> That's right. 
That's, and we loved it that way. We didn't complain. Mm-hmm. All right. So this, please join the. Uh, I will tell you one thing. If you have not joined the group page yet and you're on the like page, please jockey over to the group page and sign it because we're going to be shutting down the like page for probably by the end of June. So by the end of the day. Yeah. The end of the day. End of you days. Have Memorial Day sale. You have just Two 24 days. hours to come in for our doorbuster deals. No, it's great. Um, we're going to get everyone over there, and, and hopefully you, everyone will participate, much like the Zilch, the Zilch page. And um, it's great. It's more, much more interactive, more up-to-date, and more in-your-face than ever before. And unfortunately, that's the scary part. <laughs> Looking at our faces. Certain, well, but, that, why do you think we're a great podcast? That's right. We have a face for podcasting. You still took the words out of my mouth. So, on to the minutes of the agenda for this week. Uh, the what? The minutes of the agenda. You see, I'm placing the emphasis on the wrong... No, that's a Mike Myers movie. Mm. Um, How I Married an Axe Murderer? No, it's actually the one where they're... I forget what it's called, but it's him and Gwyneth Paltrow where they play airline hostesses, stewards, I, or whatever. So I, I must yeah, it's, it's right obscure. over my head, no it's pun obscure. intended. Well, you know, it is also the 20th anniversary of Austin Powers. Yeah, baby. Someone had to say it. Now, I went to see that movie thinking, I love the 60s and all the 60s motifs and thinking no one, this thing's going to sink like a rock. No one's going to go for this. <laughs> Boy, were you wrong, baby. Now, by the time I got to that third sequel, I'm like, uh, Yeah, Gold Member was a bit much, but maybe he, does owe, he, does owe us, he does owe us a fourth one. So, Mike, get on it, baby. You know, but if you remember the second one, the second one was the one that, uh, the spy who shagged me. Not only is he wearing one of the eight-button shirts That's in true. one of the scenes with Heather Graham, uh, on the the scene where they're on the street corner in probably Carnaby Street, I'm guessing mm-hmm. is where it's but and they've got Burt Bacharach and Elvis Costello. You see the record in front of a record yes. store, and there's Davy's CD. There's David's CD. There's Davy's solo album, David Jones. We call those LPs. That's right. right. And then um, there's more of the monkeys, at least. So, you know, Mike's a big fan. So. Yes, he is. Although he kind of looks on these movies like if Davy Jones in 1967 had fallen down on a particularly long staircase... And it's like, well, what would happen if Davy Jones did In Like Flint? That's yeah, true, too. So, but. Okay. Enough uh, enough mirth and merriment. Who was the bit. fellow that starred back in the 60s, the ugliest girl in the world? Krasner? Peter Kastner. Even you probably don't know this. I'm picturing him. If you could mix him with Davy Jones. Now, I'm going to leave a space here for me to yell at his name after I look on, uh, on Google. You mean Kurt Kastner from Land of the Giants? Peter Kastner. Oh, okay, not that. Okay. He was in a short-lived series called The Ugliest Girl in the World, where he was in drag. Peter Kastner. But he, um... But he looked like if Davey and that guy had a baby, that's who Mike Myers, Austin Powers' character resembled. And thanks for indulging me, listeners. Now, on with the show. That's for the benefit of those of you that are tuned in late. Now, back to our regular programming. Just give Alice medication and send him off to the corner. The colors, man. The colors! The the main topic for this week is... um, We have a main topic? Yes, we do, believe it or not. Um, One of the listeners who enjoyed the podcast... uh, I think it's coming in, come in late. So she was asking us about how we became Monkeys fans. Like some, and that's one of the reasons why you put the first episode out there. But we decided to take a take a moment. This is kind of like if you if you've ever seen an old cliffhanger movie serial. This is kind of like the filming episode where they, we, we get to caught up on everything. So. That was the benefit for those who came in late. That's right. So what Al and I decided to do this time, rather than go through all the. Um, the ins and outs and the nuances that you probably didn't care to hear the first time and sure as heck don't want to hear the second time. So we came up with uh, five questions. Now, I have given Al my five questions, uh, but I have not heard his. So all of my answers will be ad-libbed. It will be unrehearsed. And uh, we have a speed round after this, believe it or not. All these interviews are spontaneous and unrehearsed. 
taped in front of a live studio audience. Isn't my that bag. Right? Isn't, I that, don't, isn't that right, Duncan? I don't get that. What's my bag? Well, I don't get that. But that's what they say in front of those when they re-play mm-hmm. those uh, interviews of course. and they tag them. You hear, mm-hmm. I think it's... Uh, Spontaneous and... and it's and Bert, rehearsed. right? Bert's uh, no, it's actually Bob. Bob, Bob yeah. Rickleson. I get those guys confused. And the man with the flaming schnatter said, your monkeys were too easy and we were. It wasn't funny the first time. All right. Kidding, kidding. All right. All right, so I'll let you go first. Okay, here we go. I'm going to start by putting Alan's feet to the fire. As you know, Alan, I'm a second-generation fan that came in in the early 70s when the monkeys were being run on Saturday morning television. Mm -hmm. I've always been intrigued by those people that were there the first time for the original 60s run. You are one of those such people. You are one of such people. Tell me about that. When did you when did you get your very first glimpse of the show and or the music? September 12, 1966. 7:36 Central Time on at that time it was WSOC, which is now an ABC affiliate here in Charlotte. Um I watched it from the very beginning. I watched the Royal Flush episode and Mickey had me at the usurper. That just the 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 throne scene where they're trying to get the girl out. It, that that caught me and then um, last train to Clarksville was what grabbed me right off the bat. I mean, this is and you're six, right? I'm six. I was six. I was about three months away from being seven. So you know, so and the very next day, uh, my mother, bless her heart, uh, went out and got me a copy of Last Train to Clarksville Giant Step. And from then on, that was that was it. I mean, every Monday night, um, I watched it on Saturdays as you did. Uh, I actually watched it on Saturdays in the '60s when it went to CBS. Right. And couldn't figure out. Well, wait a minute. You know, we're like on the Monkeys tour episode. What the heck is Steam Engine? Where am I here? Why am I not hearing? You know, the that I didn't wasn't on the albums I own. I, I didn't understand what they were doing at the time. So, but yeah, I mean, I literally was in front of the TV 7:30 Monday, September 12, 1966, watching it. Let's back up a little more. Mm-hmm. Do you remember any build-up for it? Do you remember the promotions for it? Was Last Train to Clarksville something you heard on the radio first? Because that was available. I actually did hear. I d- actually did hear Last Train to Clarksville. Um, the big top forty station in Charlotte at the time was W uh, Big Waves, six ten AM, which is now a sports station. Um, WBT, which is the station I worked for eventually, um, they weren't necessarily top forty. They didn't become top forty until probably the mid seventies when it was really popular. Um, but um, they were a full-service station at the time, so I, I listened more to, to Big Ways, and that was what got me into radio, but I'd started listening at four, but that's, that's, that's uh, spoiler alert, there's something coming up about that a little bit later on, too, so, but, um, yeah, I remember hearing Last Train to Clarksville and liking it, and then seeing it, uh, the, um, the romp video with, um, with Mickey being the villain, Mickey being the villain, and tying Peter, and Davey being the hero, and this, that, and the other. That was what caught me too. There was just something about the show that just grabbed on me. Said, "This is cool." Right. Just you know, but yeah, I'm from day one, literally from day one. Now you stuck with it, like you said, even for the initial late '60s reruns. Mm-hmm. The show going to Saturday morning. Yep. Where was there ever a time that you put it aside? Well, actually, there was in the early to mid '70s because of the fact that it wasn't. There was a time for it wasn't on. And you couldn't get the. Uh, I, I didn't have the albums at the time. I moved to Detroit, Michigan, um, and CKLW didn't really play the Monkees anymore, uh, which was the big top forty station in the Detroit metro market. It happened to be Canadian, hmm. but um, I picked it up back again when it came back. 
uh, about the time you grabbed it in the mid 70s. Well, actually, I go back a little further. I I, I saw it first in the early 70s mm-hmm. when it was in its first reruns. Yep. What you're talking about is when, in late 1975, it was offered to stations around the country as a syndicated package for the first time. Yeah. Instead right. of instead of the network, it was right. offered it up for syndication. So, but uh, you know, that's when I got back into it again. I mean, the the songs would occasionally pop into my head, you know, because I've got the world's biggest jukebox. And I mean, I've got music running through my head unless, unless I'm sleeping, mm-hmm. believe it or not. So, but yeah, that was um, when when it came back on television, I got back into it. Um, I kind of gravitated back toward the early Beatles at that point because at, at that age, I didn't understand what happened from, you know, when you got to Rubber Soul and then Revolver and then Sgt. Pepper and then moving forward. Didn't understand that. Right. Do now, but I right. didn't back then. But um, and then of course in the '80s when uh, Monkey Business came out. Now you're talking about the, the the picture disc for Rhino. Right, and that was a big revelation. For <clears throat> and of course, I did have the uh, I did have the first um, the first greatest hits album, and I at that point I kind of snobbily didn't buy the second one, the more greatest hits of. So, but I, I missed out on Barrel Full of Monkeys. I missed out on. I really didn't get to the point where I got into. Uh, birds and well, a little bit of birds and the bees, but I didn't get, didn't know about honestly, didn't know about instant replay, didn't know about present, didn't know about changes, because I was basically, I was very scatterbrained at the time. I had I had ADHD back when it was called hyperactivity, right. so I was only focused on the first four albums for the most part. Right. So the TV I, albums, yeah, almost, the TV albums. So. Yes, the fifth one has Daydream Believer and some. Mm-hmm cuts that we're familiar with from the TV show but by the time that came out the mm-hmm. show was about ready to go off the air yep. now quickly flash forward to 1986 you were a fan oh, and yeah. suddenly I was a huge I was I, I was laughed at because I was a monkey's oh, fan oh we all then, were by all these people who, who all these people who were into to Britpop right and Emerson, right. Lake and Palmer and well it wasn't I mean it was much it was the Europop it was the, yeah. the synth stuff oh sure so sure. but you know but 86 I, happens mm-hmm. how do you find out I was working at um, 105 FM WWCK, which was a classic rock station, and uh, I had been. I, I got a, I got a call from uh, a buddy of mine who was working at the AM station. I was the very first radio station I ever worked at. He was working. He worked overnights. He says, "Hey, Alan, I know you're a Monkeys fan. Did you hear they got a new single out?" I'm like, what? And you're thinking he's making a mistake? It's no. It's hang on, man. Because uh, I'm heading home. It's like Sunday night, Monday morning. He says, nah, man, uh, what time you get off work? I said, five. I said, I'll play it for you before I go. Uh, here he goes. This is for my buddy Alan. Here is the, the new monkey song. That was then. This is now. And I went, holy. <laughs> and then that's when I found out about Then and Now. And uh, I immediately went out and bought it. Uh, I bought it on cassette. As a matter of fact, though, I, I, had, I, had bought, I had bought Hit Factory. Right. But when it came, terrible company. I don't know. Now it wasn't as bad as I thought. You know, it had it had some some. It had I'd never heard about Shorty Blackwell's first the first introduction what? to Shorty Blackwell, um, and then it had the the version of I'll Be Back Up on My Feet that I like the the Birds and the Bees version. But it wasn't a it wasn't a bad because for somebody who craving monkeys music sure. and didn't really have it because I missed out stupidly because I was only making five six bucks an hour back in '84. I worked in a I worked in a store called Record Town, which for those of you who, uh, it was a predecessor of what you call your FYE these days. See, I don't even know what that is. We, we, that's that store up at the, it's, it's the four-year entertainment. Okay. DVD, CDs. And ten years ago yeah. it was Suncoast Video. And, and, and that media kind of play, that yeah. kind of thing. So, yeah. 
this was this was we actually sold vinyl and we sold cassettes and CDs. So, and we had an import section. Dumbass me did not buy the four copies of the Japanese imports that were sitting back there for about at, five years now. At twelve, at twelve bucks a pop, which is reasonable for those because I paid like twenty. Yeah, in nineteen eighty-two for those. And I, went, I just couldn't afford it because of the yeah. back then, but. I could kick myself now because I wish I still had those because it would be worth you know be worth a buck and a, a bob or two. But um, that's it for me. I mean that's that was where it took back off and you, know, you and I met '92 I think at the, at Heroes Con. Sounds right. Yeah. Comic book convention that's yeah. local mainstay. And then you know we've we've uh, the '90s our '96 adventure with all yes. with a group of with a group of monkeys fans back from what 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 they used to call those things. Um, before they were before they were Facebook, it was like yeah, like oh, a listers. And, yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. So Are you part of the, the, the group. The, yeah, uh, the listers group. That's it. Right, the monkeys listers, you know. So, and it and the rest is hysterical. The rest is a hysterectomy. Mm-hmm. Now, my turn. Okay. All right. So, and uh, I, I gave you these just so you could prepare yourself because you looked at me when I started reading them. You went what? <laughs> All right. Let me grab my glasses. Yeah. So you prepare your prepared answer. <sighs> so. Do you remember the similar to what you just asked me? Do you remember the very first aha moment? That's a different group. Take on me. I love that guy with the big hair and the, okay. Um, seeing hated, them, most hated song of the 1980s for me, but that's another story. You say something. I says, uh, do you remember that moment where you thought you you knew that you loved these guys and that they had you hooked for life? Probably from the get-go, seeing them somewhere like in 1971 or two mm-hmm. on Saturday morning reruns, where they were packaged along with somebody thought they were cute. They were packaged along with like Lancelot, Link, Secret mm-hmm. Chimp. Yeah. Uh, probably the Banana Splits. Get it? Monkeys, mm-hmm. Gorillas, yeah. Yeah. And I can't tell you. I've spent the last several decades trying to figure out what grabbed me, because mm-hmm. I come from the world of art and comic books and mm-hmm. these things. And, and of course, the Monkeys is a very visual, colorful show. But it's like True. what? is it about I mean that theme song just grabs you and the mm-hmm. visuals now flash for, flash backward to when the show was on I was of course one and two and three years old mm-hmm. but I lived in a house where we had several foster children mm-hmm. boys and girls of all ages from eight to twelve to fourteen sixteen mm-hmm. so I'm sure things like the monkeys even though I was a baby were on that TV mm-hmm. when it first appeared same with Batman so it could have been the seeds that were planted Subconsciously, yeah. I think. Now, concurrent to that, of course, it's late in the day for the monkeys. It's it's a few years past. You know, they've already broken up. Mm-hmm. You can still go to toy stores and buy like the monkeys Viewmasters. Yeah, which I had, and just looking at them. And my dad, who worked at RCA, I guess they had a, a closeout bin, and he brought home about that same time because he saw I liked this group. Instant replay on eight mm-hmm. track. Mm-hmm. So it's funny, you came really late to Instant Replay. That was my first taste of Monkey's music. Yeah. Now, I didn't see enough of the show, because again, you're just catching these once a week on Saturday morning. Sure. I didn't see enough of the show to go, well, they don't sing Shorty Blackwell on the show. They don't yeah. sing You and I. Mm-hmm. But thank heavens, a lot of Instant Replay was older cuts from the vault. So it did sound like it jibed with the show, like... Well, Teardrop City, of course. Right. I mean, and, you know, uh, Through the Looking Glass is very yeah. pop. Mm-hmm. And it just it just had me. Now somewhere along the way, somebody still had available the Cole Gems greatest hits. You know that black mm-hmm. cover with the old fashioned yep. font. 
And that was cool because you got Cuddly Toy on there, Randy mm-hmm. Skalskit. She probably. Zoran Zam. Yeah. Strange inclu- thing mm-hmm. include. But that was it. Once that went off, it wasn't until late 1975 our area got the syndicated show. Yeah. Was there for every bit of that. Tried to tape record again. No VCRs for another 10 years in houses and homes. Mm-hmm. True. So I would tape record a lot of this stuff, not just the songs. Mm-hmm. I didn't know, for example, I could be running out to yard sales at the mm-hmm. time and finding these old albums. I didn't know oh, yeah. what. It's, I'm, you just people, had no idea where to look for Nobody it. knew what was out there. Were there nine albums? Were there no albums? Were there, you know, now we've got, just go on Google and everything's there and everything can be found and heard and viewed. And I think back then, that's going to make me sound old, that made it somehow more exciting. Same with comics. Sure. Well, it's like, it's like anything when it does collecting. It's the, it's the knowing that it's out there. You just got to find it. And, and when surprised. you and when, and when you come across stuff you didn't know exist, surprised, yeah. yeah. As opposed to well, I need you know, Batman number seven hundred and forty-two, and I got a little checklist. You know. Yeah, I know that those guys with the checklists. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll go um, into that that again another podcast for another time. So um, it was great to see the show every day after school. Record it mm-hmm. um, somewhere along the way. Same time, I again finally going to yard sales. I found a copy of Who's Got the Button, the Monkey's mm-hmm. Whitman book. Yep. I treasure. I still have a treasure that yep. one copy of the comic book. Yep. From Dell Comics, and they're the company where people would collect their comics because they had great photo covers. This is the one Monkeys comic that had like the weakest photo cover of all, but I cherish that thing. It was like was that the one? Is that the one where the they they go do the rain dance storm, and then they go after them? They go to this, to find the abominable snowman, or, or is that the that's the one that's got the four of them? But in a Utah '68 cover because Mickey's no, got the hair. I love over. that cover. Okay, this is a sepia tone, almost black and white cover from. I don't even know what episode, okay. but it's just from the set, and it's not even color. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got And you. it's just the four of them on the set together, and it's it's very weak. But uh, gotcha. now those covers I love because they're getting mm-hmm. wacky as can be. Yeah. Um, and that was it. It was catch as catch can. Then flash forward to the early 80s. I go into a local record store in my small town, and I sheepishly take a list because he had a sign up saying, if we don't have it, we'll order it for you. And I thought, mm-hmm. what the heck? Maybe... You know? Yeah, what can you get me, monkeys? Right. So he finally says to me, I'll never forget this. You're a man after my own heart. And suddenly he tells me, you can get all these imports. Like, what imports? Well, the monkeys are big in Japan mm-hmm. in 80 and 81. This is 1981. And these things were ungodly expensive. When a new record was like $9, these things were I'm 20. 17, mm-hmm. yeah. 19, 20. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful pressings. Now, by then, I'd already gotten a lot of the original. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if they were scratchy. It's like, I'll take oh, sure. I remember for years my copy of Birds and the Bees was horribly scratched, mm-hmm. but you just took it. Like, I got a copy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, did that. The big, big revelation, like you said, was that picture disc. Right, a monkey business. Monkey business from Ryan. Now, because like we discussed in an earlier podcast, it wasn't just another assemblage of greatest hits. These guys knew their stuff. And there were blurbs about them, on, blurbs about the songs on the back. And it told you they knew their stuff. These guys were, uh, oh my God, there's other fans out there. Mm-hmm. Except me and a f- the handful of people I knew. Mm-hmm. Uh, and next thing you know, Rhino's reissuing this stuff before 86. We, yeah. Let's not forget. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm in art school in 86. And the re- when I see they're back together, how I saw that was our local paper, like our free break magazine mm-hmm. here, everyone's got one in the community, had a small column called Nosy Nate, you know, about pop culture. And just one paragraph said, Nosy Nate has heard the monkeys are back together. And that was it. And I'm like, What? And next thing you know, I'm back home. I somehow, like so many people, I somehow hooked up with Monkey Business Fanzine. Yep. Even though I knew it was around, but somehow, I won't go into why I kept miss, I, 
like it missing getting um being able to subscribe to it. But you know, you talk to Maggie, and of course that was the year everything blew up for her. She went from you know seven hundred subscribers to seven thousand, whatever it was. Oh yeah, this kitchen table fancy. Um, and of course, by then you've got this thing that tells you there's a new single out. There's this out. There's this going to happen. Um, and of course, the rest is history. Like I think '86 uh, is when a lot of people came aboard. Of course. Um, and now I feel old because for a long time I felt like, well, I missed the boat. And I'm a young guy hopping on in the '70s when everything had happened. Nah. And now I'm surrounded by people that you know are came nostalgic for 1986. I'm yeah, like, really. wow. But, uh, uh, but that's it in a nutshell. All right. Well. We'll skip. We'll say. We'll save the other questions for. We'll, we'll. What we'll do is we'll break it up. We'll give one question. We'll. We'll do one yeah. other five. So, time for the speed round. Here we go. Okay. This is your. Uh, uh, I've got uh, five top five questions for you. Do it. All right. All right. Uh, Bring it on, man. Favorite top five episodes. Top five episodes. Do I go in backwards order? I go five to one. Yeah. Number five, David Letterman. No. <laughs> Number five. Number five. Thank you, Paul. Paul Schaefer, ladies and gentlemen. Number five, Spy Who Came In From The Cool, because it's one of the first ones I saw on the early 70s reruns. And to me, it's kind of the epitome of, quote-unquote, monkeys. It's, yeah. You know. That, and that's the one with, that's with the one with, uh, Nita, uh, not Nita Talbot, um, Jacques Aubergeon and... Uh, Arlene Martel. Honey and the Bear. Thank you. <laughs> Honey and the Bear, yes. ladies and gentlemen. Number four, Monkeys in Paris. I know a lot of people dismiss it because of the weird low quality of the uh, the film stock or the print, well, that was which Bob. has been rescued thanks to the wonderful Blu-ray set. Loved it in the seven, the mid-70s syndicated reruns because when you're recording these with your little audio tape recorder, that gave you, what, six songs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, including Don't Call On Me. And they were marred by those sound. Me and my friend, we hated those sound effects. We'd record it. Oh, yeah. You know, all the boing, boing, it's like, don't mar the songs. But that was a big one. And on the heels of that, number three, Monkeys on Tour. Mm-hmm. For those of us that weren't there in the 60s and thought we'll never see these guys live again because they're never going to get together again, that was an exciting episode. Sorry. A wonderful episode. Mm-hmm. Number two, mm-hmm. Controversy number two, Time. Two, 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 number two, Devil and Peter Tork. I think that makes everyone's top list. Great episode. I love episodes where they're in the... What I call the middle mode there, they came back to film, what, those six episodes at the beginning of second season where things aren't quite as crazy as the later second season. Things aren't quite as dull and pat as the first part of the first season. No Hans Conrad. I hate these bleeping kids. Not quite there yet. (laughs) But the comedy, the music, everything is at that peak level for me. Plus, that's a great episode with the dramatics. And and when I first saw this in 1977 Mm -hmm. in syndicated reruns, because the episode's a little serious and it's a little dark and Salesman the song kind of disturbed me is the right word not yeah. scared me never heard the song before mm-hmm. and uh something about it number one one number one Monkey Mare again it epitomizes Nishwash Nishbap Nishbap Fechtenberger no it epitomizes like, get me get me Lindbergh his penmanship's better it epitomizes. Oh, <laughs> it epitomizes. No, for me, like when people say Pisces Aquarius is, is the height of the Monkeys musical project, this is the height of mm-hmm. the TV show. Again, that middle mode, um, not quite in what we think of as a second season, not quite a first season. It's funny. The music's great. You know, I, 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 everything is just pitch perfect to me. Will, will somebody please tell me what's going on around here? <laughs> what's going on here? So there you go. All right. All right. Hope I didn't disappoint. All right. Now, yes. mine. 
Yes. Uh, number five. No, no, five top episodes. Five to, yeah, these are my five top episodes. Monkey Mayor, for the reasons that you did, but uh, if you don't, if you don't, I'll get you. I'll get your friends, too. I, I just, there's just a, would you please tell, would you please tell the mayor that private citizen Michael Lesmus here to see him is like, it just, I, I. And that's I, still I, I, how government works, ladies and gentlemen. That's right, believe it or not. Um, but no, I, there's, I enjoyed that, especially the, uh, the, uh, they used to give Nez all these great soliloquies to do, or these great passages. I forgot to about do, that, you know. And, and at the very end, and uh, it's just something about how I. But looking at it back now, I mean, I, I see being the old entertainment junkie that I am. Um, the guy that was the where Peter was uh, paying the pilot, you know, wanted the guy to fly to paint Mike's Nez. Right. We want the eye. We want the sun dotting the eye. That's Billy Benedict, who was a great B actor. Uh, was in the Captain Marvel serial, and just you know, when I see old you know, people like that, people that I recognize from other movies, that makes it even more special. But hold on a second, you said Captain Marvel, Shazam, Shazam. Shazam. and it's Monty Landis at the top of his form. Absolutely, uh, that Monty, La- Monty Landis. No, no, not not the top. Not of quite. His form. Close to it. Close to it. All right. Uh, number four, Monkeys versus Machine. Good one. From the very beginning, where uh, yeah. Uh, Peter, and then Mike face the machine, and then you throw in Stan Freeberg. I'm a, I'm a Stan Freeberg mark. I love Stan Freeberg. I've read his autobiography probably two dozen times. It only hurts when I laugh. Forcing is out. That's right. <laughs> Don't do that. Conspiracy! Conspiracy! You'll change your mind. You'll change your mind. He was beautiful in that. Uh, number three, One Man Shy. Can't always be about you, Davey. Peter and the Debutante. That's right. It was nice to see Peter get the shot at the girl and um, George Firth. Love when he plays characters that you love to hate. He's great, just like he played Mister Foyt in the Cannonball. Mister Foyt in Cannonball and the Cannonball Run movie. Um, number two, who is this that just says nice place to visit? The monkeys, man. Nice place to visit because number one, it's the first episode of the second season. I love Peter Whitney, especially when he is over the top like that. And of course, you know I've paid homage to him before. Who is this? This is. But we're, 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 there is no truth to the rumor. We're doing an upcoming podcast, a special two-hour podcast, entirely in the uh, dialect that you just heard. There is in no the truth. El Diablo character. No, we're not doing that. My, I will never be able to do another podcast if I do an hour and a half of El Diablo. Welcome to uh, Monkeys uh, Podcast. Uh, Who is this that invites me to do this podcast chicken, here? man. Prairie chicken. But, uh, Please, no letters. And then it it was the first time I'd ever heard what am I doing hanging around. And that was, like, whoa, wait a minute, what is this? And it was, you know. Um, but it's a great, hey, Monkeys, need some gasoline? 20,000 centavos for the can. $30,000 30, for the gasoline and $15,000 for thinking it up. That was great. And of course, what we did last time, Godfrey, the late great Godfrey Cambridge, if you can be Mexican banditos, I can be a Mexican car park attendant. I can dig it, baby. And then of course, um, the truly greatest episode for me is The Devil and Peter Torque. The power's inside you. Nobody can give it to you. Nobody can take it away from you. Now go play one of another one of Mike's great mm-hmm. soliloquies. Because baby in the final analysis loves the power. That and liquid paper fortunes. That's right. So, all right. Now, second top five. Yes. Do it. Okay. Your favorite top five favorite best or favorite show moments. Go. Show moments. I didn't write this down. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Now, does it have to involve the four guys themselves or anybody no. on the show? <laughs> I loved in the final episode. I know that's not a typical mm-hmm. episode. Frodis, yeah. Mm-hmm. Frodis Caper. I love the editing. I love Rip Taylor's over the top acting. <laughs> Couldn't you die? Um, all of it's great. Frodis, yeah, baby, Frodis. But I love um, at the end where. <laughs> They're wrapping up the episode. They got to do the musical thing with with Tim Buckley, oh, yeah. and Peter has been frozen through the episode. the The Frodus machine is throwing out vapors, which are thinly disguised, you know, clouds of pot smoke, as we all know. Everyone's rolling in the grass. No time to explain why Peter suddenly revived. Hey, look, Peter's back. Peter, look, he's. Mm-hmm. Revi- I don't know something about that. That's probably that's my number five. Well, what uh, I don't forget the uh, don't forget the very end. Or no, um, it's the only monkey show to feature a Beatles song. Good morning. Good number, number, nine. Yeah. Number, number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Oh, not, not, not that one. No, 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 don't go back to the entrance. Don't go back to the opening again, sir. So. Oh, we got to do this all over again? Do we have to do this all over? That would make a good song, too. Song cue, song cue. Yeah, welcome. Number nine. Number four. Goes back to Rip Taylor. Monkey's on the wheel. Mm-hmm. The, he's, he's the put-upon... What do you call that? Not card shark. He's the... He, uh, he's the roulette wheeler. Or the, the dealer. At the, uh, he's the dealer. The dealer. At the, at the table. And of course he's being Couldn't you just die? That too, but but Peter now fun trivial note, Peter was thought about the role that he played at the beginning of the formation of the series. The writer said he'd either be a dummy or a genius. Here we kinda get a little peek at what would have happened if he played a genius role. He's got the glasses, he's got the suit, and at some point he comes up with a wacky idea of betting on a number on the table that just doesn't exist, and Rip Taylor in close up goes there's no 212 green. He may not have it here, but he's got, he got it here. He may not have it here, but he's got it here. Yeah. He's pointing to the empty glasses. And, yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, I guess you have to see that one. And Treva Silverman, I will never forgive you for not making him a genius just to see just to see what it was like. But other shows did that a lot with characters. And it sure. got a little boring with, hey, let's go listen to the professor over there. Mm-hmm. You know, the Reed Richards character, you know. Oh, you mean the professor from Gilligan's Island? That too. Yeah, okay. Reed Richards. All right. We've all seen him, but anyway. Number three, the live sequence. From Monkeys on Tour. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish we gotten just a whole episode of just a concert, which still would have had to been cut up. Of course. But what we got, from what we know, there's no other footage like that unless the Osaka, Japan footage is found. Well, that and you, Circle we've got... Sky yeah, the Circle yeah. Sky for Head and a lot. There's some outtakes from that that have circulated for years. Yep. Just can't top it. It's exciting. It's uh, It's great. And it's like you, you you talk about Mickey talks about I have to watch. And he's sitting there, he's he's turned to be able to watch Mike's foot keep the time because Mickey was not the greatest timekeeper as a drummer. But yes, very good. All right. How dare you say such a thing? Turn in your vintage 1966 Monkeys fan club charter member fan club card right now, sir. Listen, if you can say Mickey Dolenz was a great drummer, I can be a Mexican car park attendant. Well, that's true. I gotta go with you. Mike's speech in Devil and Peter Tork mm-hmm. was really great. I put it in front of my remix I did years ago of For Pete's Sake mm-hmm. um, for obvious reasons. And I remember my son at that time, who was probably 11 or 12, was inspired by a young musician by Mike's words. Because all of it, all, all it really says is In the final analysis, baby loves the power. Do what you got with what you got. Be proud. If you believe you can do it, then you can do it, yeah. And march forward. And uh, that's it in a nutshell. 
I'm going to cheat a little bit for my number one moment. I'm going to lump in all the one-minute short interviews that were seen <laughs> at the end of many episodes. Not every episode. I'm, many standing, episodes. I'm standing backstage, and some guy comes up to me and asks me, "Do you play? is it true you don't play your instruments? Says, Look, man, I'm about to go out there in front of 15,000 people. If I can't play my own instruments, I'm in a lot of trouble. <laughs> it's National Monkey Loves Something Ugly Day. No, I love those, especially during the 70s syndicated reruns, because, yes, they serve their purpose of letting you know who these guys were in real life, that they are real-life actors slash musicians. And don't forget the outtakes, because that's where we got our that's where we yes. got that's where we got our name from. And that if we now if we did top ten outtake or top ten one minute short add-ons, yeah. that would be my number one. Yeah. That is great. I wish you were more of them. Now wait, at the 2014 Monkeys convention I attended in beautiful Burbank. No, no, uh, beautiful uh, New Jersey somewhere. It's all a big blur, folks. That whole weekend, you don't want to know the colors and the the vibes. Okay, I, we were told that there are monkeys bloopers that we thought we were going to get on the Blu-ray set. Uh-huh. And these are Rhino officials that told me that. Well, it's two guys in black suits, real big guys, real tough guys that took me in a back room and told me, but... If they were named Guido and Rocco, you don't pay no attention to them. They don't know what the hell they're talking they, about. When they were done with me, I didn't remember any names right. or... Oh, boy. <laughs> but, uh... uh yep. Oh, uh, that's, a very, that's a very good list. Now it's your turn. Top to? five monkey moments. Well, I actually have five and a half. And I'm not, and I'm, and I'm trying not to, and I don't think, yeah, I, and I haven't repeated it. Unfortunately, I haven't repeated any of yours, so. Number six, MD. Yes. I don't yes. like it painted red. <laughs> You've seen the movie now, read the book. Somebody can write a book of the first 10 days, first 10 days of Pompeii. MD. That's right. Um, number five, uh, the shootout scene in Monkeys a la carte. Big Flora. Before she dies, she grabs the meatball and <laughs> she then fell face forward. So that was pretty good. Well, I waste a good good meal. Yeah, that's right. Um, number four. Kids are starving in China, don't that's you? That's right. That's true. Uh, number four. Uh, Ron Masak's uh, group of lines at the end of the romp in, monkey, in, in Monstrous Monkey Mash. This is for keeps. Yeah, let him go with the monster. Hit the monkey around. Here I am in front of my beautiful painted backdrop. Uh-huh, that's right. <laughs> Cut yourself, perhaps? Cut, cut yourself, perhaps? Yeah. No, yeah that was, yeah, I, I loved him, and I loved that. And, and uh, number three, and you looked at me funny one because it didn't hit you. I think it was just gas. Yeah. Uh, monkeys get out more dirt. All four of them. So, 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 after seeing Julie Newmar for the first, so. I think I so. don't remember that segment because that was me after seeing Julie Newmar in that episode. That's true. That's true. Um, number two. Because I love Stan Freeberg, all the bits going into the uh, when the toy demonstrations were, yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Peter and Mickey and Mike, uh, Peter, Mickey, and Davey all dressed up in drag and everything, and they get kicked in. Ah, I think I'll watch this one from the inside the booth. My mother told me not to play with toys that burn, bash, crash, or go boom. Mm-hmm. Now I don't remember that. Sure, we've had these things on videotape and DVD and Blu-ray from taping them on my little audio shoebox mm-hmm. tape recorder in 1976. Yep, that's how I can remember that mm-hmm. can't tell you what i had for lunch yesterday but i can recite monkey's dialogue and mm-hmm. it's like a superpower hmm. don't do that don't do that where's my red and white costume with the, right. the tights and uh, okay never mind uh, no no tights today you always you tell me scuba that suit. you need a scuba suit for that remember that uh, no actually you can use spandex now so um you always look at me funny when i come out in the spandex for these recordings i don't know why but <clears throat> 
makes you uncomfortable do or something you told me once. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, and of course, number one, because um, because of nice place to visit, you will be taken back to the bandido camp. And if you do not cooperate, you will receive indescribable torture. And if I go, describable torture. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just, there's just something about the LDR. Peter Whitney just cracks me up. I mean, uh, just, but yeah. It's that's, so good. All right. So that's the top five best or favorite show moments. All right. Now. Very quickly, because these these you wrote down the answers for. All right, uh, speed round number three. Uh, favorite LPs, solo and group. It can be solo and or group, yep. correct? Mm-hmm. Number five, Peter Tork's "Stranger Things Have Happened." Mm-hmm. Very underrated album. Not really a dud cut among Mm-mm. any of the cuts on there. Milkshake is a beautiful highlight and it features Mickey and Mike. That's the reason why it's a highlight. In beautiful background vocals. Mm-hmm. Number four, Infinite Rider on the Big Dogma. Michael Nesmith, 1979, I believe. The Rocker album. To me... Well, that was one of the first ones you ever got, right. if I remember you telling me. So it was weird going backwards with Mike's catalog, thinking, well, this must be how he sounds solo, and then realizing he did so much country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, first, country. the first national, first and second national band stuff, yeah. Although the previous album, Photon Wing... Mm-hmm. From, radio en- from a radio engine to the Photon Wing, yes. ...was a good preamble up to this, if I had gone in the right direction. Plus, where this came in my life, you know... Um, because you couldn't get Monkeys product and the Monkeys no. were back together. This was kind of a substitute Monkeys album. Well, out of, all, album. out of all his stuff, I prefer Tropical Campires the best. I like Rays and the Prison myself because I like ambient music while I'm reading my mm-hmm. bound back issues of X-Men comic books. No, I'm kidding, <laughs> folks. Okay. It's Batman comics. Okay, number three. This is controversial. More of the Monkeys mm-hmm. because it represents the Monkeys as I discovered them. And the well, music you were hearing on the show. Well, I mean, if you look, it's got She, it's got... Mary Mary. Mary Mary. It, it's got I'm a Believer. It's got... Stepping Stone. Stepping Stone. Yeah, that's right. Stepping Stone's on that. And yes, Anti-Griselda, which I like, mm-hmm. even live. It just screams to me, like, I. the reason I picked one of those episodes, Spider came in from the cool, it screams monkeys. Yeah. Typical this, monkeys. This, this is, is typical this is, this is the best. Well, yeah, this is a, it's a better album than the first one. There's no question. Oh, the first even one's though, even though pro- the first one's got pop. Well, this one also has the kind of girl I could love on it. Oh, yes. Which Very is, Mike heavy. Absolutely. So, but, uh, all right, cool. Number two, and again, this is, these are personal lists, folks. Remember, personal lists. Instant replay because mm-hmm. of the impact of my life being my yeah. first real monkeys eight track, actually. And it was mm-hmm. weird later getting. In the early 80s, 10 years later, getting this on vinyl, somebody sold me the original Coljams mm-hmm. vinyl, yep. then the import, mm-hmm. then a few years later, Rhino, the Rhino gives release. us mm-hmm. the cassette. Yep. I remember I would sit looking at the, the record playing going, I'm listening to you and I or Shorty Blackwell on record. Mm-hmm. It was so weird because for me, this was an A-track. Yeah. And love that cover. And number one, of course, very predictably, Pisces. Yes, Pack and Jay. Um, again, not, not a dud on there. Yes, I even like... Hard to believe. Um, hard, yes, thank it's you. Hard to, it's hard to believe you like hard to believe. Ha, ha, ha. Ladies and gentlemen, the jokes are absolutely free to you. It's 12.07 on a bombing. Okay. Um, that's 321K is shit. Jet set time with a real Don Steele. <laughs> no, I love every... What's there to dislike? It's it's great. And you mentioned you Salesman. Like, and what am I doing hanging around? You dislike those? Oh, I love those. Yeah. I mean, I mean, what am I doing hanging around has always been for... was so Was for so many years... My ultimate Mike song. I mean, I I would, I I, I love it to this day. It, it is still, it's still my favorite album cut of all time. Although there's some other stuff that's coming up that's changing. You know, but the more you listen, the more you retro, the more you listen back. But yeah, what am I doing hanging around was always the one. And 
Salesman was a great cut. Absolutely. And then, you know, um, Door into Summer. I mean, there really is not a bad cut on this album, even the Davy stuff. And like you mentioned, and like I've mentioned about the show, it's mixed mode time. Where it's, it, that's, yeah, it's the hybrid mode. This is the best... This is how the monkey should have gone forward, right. and we'll discuss that another time. But place. it's the best of what came before, mm-hmm. what's going to come after, without the negative things that came before and after. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. this is really the peak, yeah. and it's just uh, that you know, no explanation is necessary for fans. You know, this is this is the bit. I'll, I'll use this analogy in every road in a cartoon. When Wally Coyote goes off the cliff, there's that one second before he. The body drop, the body drops, and then the head drops. It's that one second. This is this is that moment before the free fall started, and that's 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 the zenith for them. Uh, to me, even though it didn't sell as much, right? That's the best album they made. Well, you know, the the, the Kirshner himself and the Kirshner enthusiasts always point to the sales. Like the minute they took over, now look at the sales. Sure, they were gold albums, but they sold you know twenty five less units. You know. That's on Screen Gems because they didn't promote it because they didn't believe in it yeah. at that point. They at that point they didn't believe in it, so they didn't promote. It. So that's now. That's now you say this is this the analogy is the Roadrunner cartoon when you know right before the fall occurs. Mm-hmm. Well, what would be pull it then? Pull- A really bad Fritz Frailing short. No, pull it would be the pull it would be the Batman right as he's getting ready to as he fl- right into the right into the side of the cave right into the side of the the, the canyon. Pool, it's a bad donation. <clears throat> I'm sorry, we don't. Cartoon. Never mind. Uh, no cards. Okay. Well, Why you know, I? just bring it. You know, if you want, yeah. if you if you want to defend Pooh, just bring it. Uh, Pooh, yeah. it's a really bad print of a Jabberjaw uh, cartoon. So no, <laughs> okay. 1977. Let me ref- let me let me clarify. The three this. robotic stooges. <laughs> oh Lord! I just ate. Do you mind not bringing that <laughs> You're up? You're getting a little green yeah. around the gills. Yeah, right? no. Pooh, was a good album. Pooh, Pooh is. Pula Do I is, know you? Pula is Kirshner esque. That that's what it Pula was Kirshner style. Justice was headquarters style. There's good stuff on Pula. There's not so much good stuff on Pula. But overall, it ain't the worst album they did. Okay, that's well. You're, this is coming from a man. Speaking of me, of course, listeners are going. He just said he liked Anti Griselda and Hard to Believe. So. <laughs> What are you gonna but do? again, we stay as far away from moving in with Rico as possible. <laughs> no, even that, though you liked it, I we, we liked all can it. agree on. Okay, now Alan. All right, now your turn. Top five. five monkey albums, solo or group. Number five, King for a Day. We've discussed Mickey truly needs to be recognized as the greatest and the most underrated voice of the '60s. Period. The two things that stand out to me for about, about that album are the Emily Osmond, singing with Emily Osmond, I Feel the Earth Move, and then the duet with Bill Medley on Just Once in My Life. Whenever I hear that song, I still get goosebumps because it's that good. And I've always said why some promoter, putting him together with Mark Lindsay for the Summer of Love tour is fine. But I don't understand why somebody hasn't tried to put Bill and Mickey together just for a few, just for a few gigs. Call it Mickey and Medley or Medley and Mickey. And Mickey can do the Bobby Hatfield stuff. For the Righteous Brothers songs, but uh, number four, Stranger Things Have Happened. I love that stuff. I love the stuff he did, not only the solo stuff, but I love the two-man band stuff with him and James Lee Stanley. I will review those albums. We'll we'll, we'll review those sure. albums later. In it, but they need more recognition. They, mm-hmm. they kind of Absolutely. bubbled under. Yep. Um, you know, you get what you pay because you, you when we talked about last time, you played Get What You Pay For when I talked about uh, the when I talk about the uh, the Mad Monster Party. 
You see, folks, because this is the monkeys, and they're real tricky on this show. That's right. That's supposed to be Frank Zappa, but yeah, they're and they're they're banal and 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 uh, vapid, you know. But you know, I, I like Stranger Things have happened from stop start to finish. Uh, number three, Justice, simply because it's Headquarters 2.0. That's guys understand. That's how the four of them sound together. Period. Those that's of you that the monkeys. don't, that's right. That's what they are. I forgot. Can I go back and make my five and a half on my top ten list? Because sure. justice has to be in there. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, number two, Good Times. Simply because it is a cool album from start to finish. It's it's hip. It's it's powerful. You know, uh, even the the was not born to follow. You've got the tongue in cheek song. I was there and told had a good time. You've got the three powerful Nez vocals. You've got uh, you know, me and Magdalena is a is a treat. It really is. Um, Whatever's right is really starting to the 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 Boys and Heart song is starting to really appeal to me an awful lot. Um, but overall, and then of course, Good Times. You know, it's a great song. Uh, and of course, number one, Pack J. Uh, there's just no denying that it's the best Monkeys album. Period. Kirshner Monkeys really because it is that hybrid. It's got the it's got the backing musicians. It's got the guys playing. But yeah, to me, it, it's just the best album overall. Let me let me inject right here. Somebody wrote to us recently saying he likes Good Times, especially over Just Us, because it's the monkeys bringing in outside writers. We think about, and his, his opinion was, they need strong material. The stuff works better with, with outside writers that might be able to see, quote, what the monkeys are supposed to be from afar, because they're not, you know, inside the thing. But think about Pisces Aquarius. What makes that unusual too is there's very little monkeys songwriting involvement. Even Other Mike, than Mike, yeah, Mike. Well, even Mike is well, no, but yeah, because Craig songs. Smith, Craig, he Warren didn't write Summer, Salesman. Yeah. Michael, uh, Michael Martin Murphy wrote "What Am I Doing Hanging Around." Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you're right. There's really not a lot of contributions from the guys in right. that. So, so maybe there's something to it. Although yeah. I don't really think that affects Pack and Jay. No, Pack and Jay, Pack. Pack J was Chip Douglas at his best. Yes. I mean, that's exactly what he should have been able to do. Yes, indeed. Um, all right. I uh, got two more two more categories. Cause, so let's kind of run through these quick because I know people are snoozing at the moment. So. <laughs> all right. Question number four. Favorite, favorite individual songs, solo or group? Top five songs for me. Number five. Is for Pete's sake. Mm-hmm. In a perfect world, that would be a late '60s anthem. Because I mean, let's stack that up against. It's, for, a, it's a perfect song for "Summer of Love." For what it's worth, mm-hmm. yep. come on. Mm-hmm. But there were no way the hipsters back then were going to give the monkeys a nod in any way. No, I mean that would have been the perf- that would have been the perfect FM cut for the monkeys. Perfect, and it fit right in with the "Summer of Love." Right, and I think in many ways it's better than a lot of the more quote mm-hmm. serious. Similar songs we got back then. There's something happening here. Number four, You and I from Instant Replay. Daniil Young. Davey wrote it, getting back to that. Mm-hmm. It's hard rock. It's got that blazing, wonderful Neil, Neil Young, Young guitar. guitar. That bass. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm preferential to it because it was on Instant Replay, one of my first monkeys. Sure. Um, musical offerings. Well, the, 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 just, the Justice You and I is not bad either. I like that too. Okay, so, all right. Love it. Number three, Love is Only Sleeping. You're going to find many of these are by Mike, these songs, just because that represents... The cuffs. The cuffs on the shirt. Oh, come on. <laughs> just a great song. Great vocal it is. performance. There's no question. No question. Two, Mary Mary, just because it rocks it so is. hard. Mm-hmm. 
It when is. people have those desert island lists, mm-hmm. that's one they want. That, yeah. That's got to be on my desert island. Just, just mm-hmm. as it appears on more of the monkeys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Certain live versions are great. My number one song again, more of a nod to just Mike and his contributions to the group. You told me, mm-hmm. which it's kind of country, it's kind of pop, it's kind of rock, it's everything. And it's the a only banjo. Song, it's the only song in the world that has the phrase "forewarned is forearmed." And then there's this gap. I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. Any other writer would have that that, that little lyrical area would be full of. Sure. That's what, how you're supposed to write a, a pop song. Mm-hmm. Forewarned is. is forearmed. I'm forewarned is forearmed. It hurts. It hurts. I'm leaving. It's like. And a banjo mm-hmm. in 1967 on a pop tune. Well, see, that's why I love that the 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 concert version that you gave me. Yes, that is a it's beautiful. I mean, that is that's as good as it gets. Peter trying version. to show Davy the bass part so he could play mm-hmm. the banjo. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, but I mean, no, the 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 concert with the three just Peter, Mike, and Peter Nez and, and Mickey, the the one after Davy died. Oh, okay. The one, yeah. Yes, yes, recent concerts, yes. Yeah, recent concerts, Not yeah. the 1968 head, no, uh-uh. Salt Lake City, No. May 21st concert. Not that I know a lot about that. No, but no, that, that is, that to me, that's my favorite version of that song. And the fact that they did the, they did the, the, the false count-offs. Yes. That, that, was, that was the cool thing that reached out to me about headquarters on that, starting the album like that. So, okay. Now I'm turning the monkey's spotlight on you, Alan. All right. Well, it's, you know, it's really funny. I did... Uh, there's so much more that I, I'd love to be able to include the girl I knew somewhere, Mike's version. Um, I'd love to be able to include a, a number of different ones, uh, but here we go. Number five, Pleasant Valley Sunday, my favorite single of all time. My favorite single. Uh, it's a beautiful Carol King song. Mickey sings it well. It is, it is perfect for Pat J. It is the, it is the pristine definition of Pat, what Pat J is. Uh, number four, Anytime, Anyplace, Anywhere. It's one of my favorite mm. Mickey vocals. Rhino dropped the ball not releasing it, even though Davey was a putz about it. It's I love I love that song. For the full story, refer back to our own episode five. Yeah. It's all on our website, which is uh, the the blogspot page. Yes, the blogspot page. Yeah. TP tpchp.blogspot.com and you can read about it mm-hmm. you can see commentary about it then you can hear the actual podcast where we discuss exactly what Mr. Allen is referring to now back to you where, Allen where, where I shish kebab Harold, Harold uh, Bronson and that's putting it mildly that's right uh, number three what am I doing hanging around the quintessential Mike song I mean that is even though it was written by Michael Martin Murphy or uh, Boomer Castle or uh, whatever it was Lewis from and Clark Lewis and Clark yeah Boomer and whatever but, um, Here's Boomer. That's right. It's my fa- it, it was always my favorite song until I discovered the other two. Girls? Oh, yeah, that's it. Number two, All of Your Toys. I will never forgive Lester Sill for not ponying up, or I will not forgive the guy who owned Bill Martin's uh, publishing rights to that. I will never forgive him for not agreeing to sell that because that, that song would have put the monkeys I mean that that really would have solidified them as a pop group. That is a true pop song played by them with Chip or John, I forget who's playing bass on it. But it is the best single that they ever did together. It's a little more accessible than Girl on You Somewhere, which yes. I like more because it's a little more daring. Yeah. But you could you could have released all of your toys and people would say, yeah, that's the monkeys. Yeah, absolutely. Except now it's them mm-hmm. playing their own instruments. That's right. And, and producing themselves, whatever. But. 
now the number one the number one is one A and one B. One uh, B is I know what I know. It is the second greatest love song I've ever heard. Number one is the original Missing Links version of Carlisle Wheeling's effervescent popsicle, which morphed into conversations. When you listen to that, if you listen to the lyrics, not the in a long and involved conversation. If you if you listen to the Missing Links version, it starts with the banjo and everything. One, two, one, two. Yeah, that one. The way that that song is performed, those lyrics are absolutely the greatest love lyrics, I love song lyrics I've ever heard. I gotta agree. So, I'm all right. Myself, I wouldn't cry just That's once. Right. Well, we'll get through this one very easily. All right. Okay. Last question. Yeah. Yeah. For all, for you keep your sixty-four dollars to go for one hundred twenty-eight. Yes. Tell me the secret word. I'll give you the money. Wait. No. Give me hundred dollars. I'll tell you the secret That's word. That's right. Give me. Give me two hundred dollars. I'll tell you the secret word. All right. Favorite guest stars. Now. We both agreed that honorable mention should go to Valerie, and I'll never pronounce her last name Curies? right. Curies? Curies, yes. It's Valerie Curies. We love you. And come on the show. That's right. Uh, she was she was the one that used, she had more guest appearances on the show than anybody else. Especially, um, I can never remember the, the name of the episode with, with, with Rob Roy Fingerhead. Monkeys a la mode? Yeah, that's it. Where she played Toby. That was really, I, I thought it was great they gave her a chance to sign a show. All right. So, but besides now, that, she also was the top monkey girl, meaning every time you saw a party or you saw the guys she was there. mobbed by girls, Valerie was leading the crew. Well, she's at my number five. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number four, Rose Marie. As discussed in episode two, monkeys my, my and baby ghosts. don't love nobody but me. Oh, nobody but me. I have that on uh, CD. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think we discussed her monkeys in a ghost town. Mm-hmm. We did. Mm-hmm. Yep. Still available, folks. Just as funny, um, it was, I remember watching it as a uh, young person, and um, I thought it was quite funny that, uh, and I was remember being surprised by the uh, the uh, old switcheroo that the big man was a woman. That really took me by surprise. You must be George. Yeah. <laughs> All right, number, number, number three, no surprise here. This is kind of cheating because he was in two episodes. Rip Taylor, Monkeys on the Wheel, Can and just die? Midget Kogio. And... Little sidebar here. Uh, Steve Stolier's great book on um, Groucho Marx. Steve was kind of Groucho's secretary in the uh, years up to Groucho's death in 1977. Talks about one day Rip Taylor comes over and meets Groucho. And of course, he's Rip Taylor with the confetti and ho, Frisco. And Groucho puffs slowly on his cigar and goes, is that all you do? Pretty much. Is that all all you do? (laughs) The one man to bring down the great Rip Taylor. Of course. Rip Taylor said to Sigurd Wade and he, Groucho gave him the duck. <laughs> now you can sweep up the confetti and get out of here. <laughs> number two, number two, number two. The fellow who plays Ronnie in... Oh, George Firth? George Firth, thank yes. you. Um, Mr. Peter and, the, Peter and the Debutante. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, no one plays a better sniveling... Coward. Yeah, groveling coward. Now he went on. Of course, he's on a great episode of Batman that features Paul Revere and the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Did roles on All in the Family. He was actually in the second episode. Remember, a coffin too frequent. That's true too. And he's great there too. But my number one has to be, of course, Monty Landis. Not just because of his many appearances, but he makes a great foil for the guys. Because remember, it was about the guys versus the man, the establishment. Major Pichon. And in many ways, Monty Landis was great at Shaku. 
portraying that. Mm-hmm. You know, all personal trainers look like Shaku. You know the. Uh... Yeah, yeah, they all look that way. There. But you know what's really funny? Other than the devil and Peter Torque, my favorite role is everywhere Sheik Sheik. Love that. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, David Jones. Why does the one guy have the half? I've always wanted the half beard, the half chin. Uh... Naharu. Because he's from Minion, Oklahoma, and that's the way they were. Not planning to take your oil reserves here. All right, that's it. Alan, your top five monkeys guest stars. All right. Uh, Number five, Rosemary. Um, I loved her as the big woman. I loved her in Monkey Mother. Ah, sure. But what you get, what you kids play, it's not music. (laughs) You know, uh, I forget. Lenny, take him out. She hit him. That's right. Um, I've always loved Rosemary. She was great on the Dick Van Dyke show, but the two roles that she did, the two uh, on. Monkeys of the Ghost Town, Monkey Mother, were pretty cool. You had, you really felt. I mean, when I watch Monkey Mother, my heart really goes out for the character. That's true. Because she's a sweet lady, and she she talks to the. Is it a is it a bird or is it a? I forget. Yeah, it's a bird. A pet bird, yeah. And as a kid watching that, I remember being confused because there were, each monkey gets a separate segment with her. Mm-hmm. And I remember Mike. Except Mike, yeah. Mike has these stories about how he grew up in a crowded household and not a lot of money. I'm like, is that for real? Because again. This is kind of a weird area where these are real musicians playing fake musicians yeah. on a show, but they're using the real names. So as a kid, yeah. I'm like, is that really Mike's story? And yeah. It kind of is, but kind of isn't. By the way, I'm trying to maybe turn my microphone, Alan, so I, I'm not so essy this time. So I'm speaking okay. close to it, but I'm okay. S- okay. right into the, 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 the actual microphone. I'm sorry. I'm, 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 I'm an, an all retentive about that. How's it sound now? It's not great. No, no. You're closer. Oh. All right. So, but yeah, that... Uh, you, you feel a sense of sadness for the way that she and the fact that they bring her together and um, it also uh, that's the that's the second Nez Wink is in, in uh, sometime when they're playing sometime in the morning and he goes, and he goes so alright uh, number three number four excuse me number four soap 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 Soap. What can't you say about Julie Newmar? The best thing about the recent concerts, when they play Girl I Knew Somewhere. She's there. 50 foot high Julie Newmar in a sleeveless, white, clingy sweater. Frock. Yeah. Dancing and jumping up and but down. But you know, it's really funny. We talked about this the other day. So I can't watch Monkeys Get Out More Dirt anymore. I so, really can't. So Oh, uh, yeah, what? Oh. I, 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 I haven't watched Monkeys Get Out More Dirt in years simply because I didn't like how that episode with all the... All the monkeys fighting. Yeah, and we discussed that. It was odd to see them fight at odds. Other shows did it. Mm-hmm. Every show has done their stripe down the middle mm-hmm. episode. Like a friend once told me, the great thing about the monkeys is them against the world. Yeah, you don't need to know how they got together. Mm-hmm. In our minds, they're still together in that yep. same beach house. Episode. Hey, Mike. <laughs> what, uh, Mike, what episode was that? Oh, one ninety-two or something. Yeah. Great. Now I'm thinking of the dreadful nineteen ninety-seven. Oh, shut it. <laughs> oh. It's not dreadful. Oh. Another, oh, I, an, another another podcast, another time. Yes. All right. Another podcast, another time. That's one of your favorite songs, isn't it? From yeah. Mickey another Sanchez. podcast, another time. All right. Any uh, place, any time. Yeah. Um. You know, I'm gonna flip flop three and two. Hmm. I had uh, I had Freeberg at number two, but I'm gonna make him number three. I love Stan Freeberg. I've always loved Stan Freeberg. I have all of his radio shows, his short-lived radio show series on cassette somewhere. He is the father of satire. He is the father of he. He's the godfather of parody songs. Mm-hmm. Well, I take that back. Spike Jones is the grandfather. Stan's the godfather. If it wasn't for Stan, there would never have been a Weird Al. What about Alan Sherman? Hello, Marta. 
Hello, Father. The, uh, you know, Alan Sherman only had that one song, and I never really cared for anything else he did. But, Pretty much. You know, he and he's he is the greatest creative mind when it came to commercials. And Pete Puma and the Goofy Gophers. <laughs> that was his uh, his homage to. Uh, well, I'm I'm gonna go too far in depth in that because you you won't know what so, I'm talking about. So. so. Uh, number two, Monty. Yes. Because Monty was, yeah, Monty was the fifth monkey as far as I'm concerned when it came to the TV show. Um, but he yeah. couldn't grow decent sideburns. No. That was the but you know, I mean, he played the Zeckenbush. He played ma- major. He played Zeckenbush for pure evil. He played Major Pshaw for comic stuff for comic evil. Uh, major Pshaw wasn't bad. He was just he was just focused. He, he was. Um, he, he was. He a, wanted uh, the gold so bad. He wanted the treasure so bad. Doubloons, triploons. He was a uh, one slice away from a whole loaf. Shaku and Araculo were just sleazy. Yeah. And then of course there's Mister Zero. I mean that that was a wide range. And of course the the Sheik and everywhere Sheik Sheik, which was the only sympathetic character he played. And the mayor to be. Yeah, uh, Hugo Zeckenbush. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yes. So. Wasn't that another Groucho Marx character? No, that was Zeppo Ze- Zeppo Zeckenbush. Zeko Breckenbush. Yeah. I went to school with him, I think. All right. Weird kid. So. He used to eat glue. Now that you've heard a couple of my other top five answers, would you care to take a guess as to who my number one favorite guest star is? Number one favorite monkey's guest star. Not Rip Taylor. Mm-mm. Not. Oh, I think I've got to know. Who is this? Is that who it did? Who is this? Peter Whitney. Yes. Um, for those of you who have, if you've seen, he's been on like tons of the rifleman episodes he was you know, he he was just a great character actor he was one of these guys he was like uh, uh who was it uh, but if i go back too far i don't want to go back too far because i'll, I'll have people i'll have even the podfather scratching his head again who in the blue hell is he talking about like i don't do that enough with you that's right <laughs> but uh he the el diablo character to me was one of the was one of the coolest and and the indescribable indescribable describable torture is that's why i did that in the promo that one time um, if you do not at least if you do not download the podcast, you will suffer indescribable torture. If you download the podcast, describable torture. We've got infinite send you. That's right, and, and he just was so over the top, and it was so cool. I mean, that just sticks out to me. So, all right, there is our speed, speed round, <laughs> speed round. All right. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope that lets you get to know us a little bit better. And we'll we have we have four other questions we actually want to ask each other, so we'll throw those in from time to time. We do. Yeah, we do. Okay. Um, so. so there you go. And answers to uh, well, one question. But yes, we were flooded is. with all that card and letter. Yes. <laughs> Not to mention countless phone call. Right. <laughs> but there you go. Hopefully, it lets you know us right. better. And next time, we'll be including on the page, uh, you know, images of our driver's license, birth certificates, uh, some nudes, some what tasteful you, nudes. You know. What are you nuts? What? Oh. I, well, maybe not. Alan's giving me that I got two words again. for you. Identity theft. <laughs> okay. Well, Alan's giving me that look. I think he wants to have that talk with me again. All right. So. All right. Well, now that we thoroughly confused them. Bored them. This is, this is a topic that I wanted to talk. We talked about that I've wanted to do for a couple of weeks now. The peanut butter in the big, big yes. jars. The peanut, the big yeah. The peanut butter and the mayonnaise in the gallon, in, in the 30-gallon in the jump. Remember that wrench you had to use to get the top off? The... Yeah. Oh, man. That's why I can't. I never. You remember how it used to be where you'd have that little key, like when you'd buy yeah. spam or corned beef or something, like that, and it's never worked. Never worked. But that's, that's I have all my keys. That's for that's days. for the that's for the pop podcast. We'll let, we'll let the pop podcast, with the Podfather, handle that one. So. Mm. Okay. So one of the things that I have enjoyed doing so much 
over these podcasts. You're going to talk about that publicly? Yes, I am. <laughs> yes, they, they removed the restraining order, so I can do that now. All right. All right. All so right. one of the things that I have enjoyed most is your remixes. Thank you. And it shows your creativity, you know, being a comic book artist and being also you know, being such a creative force, not only comic books, the cosplay, that kind of thing. It just You're just a creative genius, man. You're just a creative genius. Thank you. It has allowed me... Here's your $5. Thank you. Um, it has allowed me to invoke the spirit and my homage to the voice of the legendary boss jock, the real Don Steele, from 93KHJ in LA. So, it occurred to me, and, and the fact that you guys have warmed up to that greatly, I really appreciate it. It's really cool, because I have a lot of fun doing it. But it occurred to me that a lot of people out there may not know who Don Steele really was. What? Yep. And the fact that he was very important to the monkeys, and I'll get to that in a couple minutes. But for those of you who don't know who the real Don Steele was, I thought I would just give you an overview and tell you a little bit about how it came to be and, you know, why I enjoyed doing it. So Now, I got hooked on radio at age 4, 1964. I used to listen to Big Ways 61 here in Charlotte. And their morning guy was Jack Gale, and he was what was known as a boss jock. Now... Going back, I'm, I'm going to give you a little bit of radio history. So, back in the 50s, before, through the 50s to the early 60s, Top 40 Radio, the format was you played, you had a library of five or 600 songs that you played. You didn't always hear the same song over and over again. And DJs were allowed to talk a lot. If you had a, if you had a 25-second intro, you were allowed to talk 24 and a half seconds before the song hit. And that was called hitting your mark, hitting the uh, Hitting the mark, yep. Mm-hmm. And hitting the post. Hitting the post, yes. So, um, in the 1960s, two guys who are infamous or famous in radio, uh, Bill Drake and Gene Cheneau, came up with the idea that here's what we're going to do. We're going to change this. And it changed the face of radio. And basically, it had terrestrial radio, as Arrow and I like to call it, hasn't changed much since then, except the DJs have gotten to say less and less and less. So, here's what they did. They created this format called, called Boss Radio in the early 60s. What it was was they cut the um, they cut the number of songs that the station played to about two hundred. Sidebar: You remember there used to be an oldie station, Magic ninety six here sure, in Charlotte. Sure. Um, Harriet Coffee. That's right. Um, their program director was Keith Abrams, and I tried to get into that station a number of times. So his voicemail actually said. Hi, everybody. This is Keith Agam's program director of Magic 96.1, where my only job is to figure out how to play the same 200 songs in a different order every day. And that's basically what they did. They cut it down to 200 songs. They made it a point to feature the hits that they wanted to feature, which is why, to this day, they've blown up Ring My Bell. They've blown up I Will Always Love You. They've blown up the Titanic song, all that stuff, which makes you hate it because they played it so much. Right. And they they told the jocks, you only have you, you can't talk a lot, but it was very energetic very forceful and in your face almost and that's why they call it boss radio and and i know this from listening to howard stern in his movie he talks about this mm -hmm. you got to mention the weather at this particular time during the hour hit the time card at this particular time it's, traffic at this time and that was the don't where, you deviate well remember he was working at the w4 in detroit right and that's what they did that and they said and he's telling this very depressing story and it's it it's 722 and it's 42 degrees in the city of detroit and I love that. Being an old radio guy, I love that. So WNBC. WN. Howard, you just ain't got it, son. That's right. <laughs> so, um, so Boss Radio took effect in the early uh, early to mid 1960s. So, 
During this time in Los Angeles, KHJ 93 AM was the station. It was the number one station in the market, in the biggest market in the country. The real Don Steele was their afternoon drive guy, 3 to 7, or 2 to 6, I forget what it was back then, but the real Don Steele was the number one rated jock in L.A. And he was he was the epitome of a boss jock, and you've heard me do him, and I'll do him again in a little while. But um, if it got on his show, it was a hit. And Don Steele, KHJ, were the choices of Screen Gems to release all the monkey songs. Um, and the thing of it is, you know, you would always hear, it's like, um, he would, they would always build it up as a, as a huge monkey, uh, as a monkey's release. And Don Steele is responsible for you, for doing, uh, releasing the most important monkey's record ever. What's that record you ask? You know what? In a perfect segue to this little special thing that we've got planned, I'm going to let Nez tell you the story. Now, this interview that you're going to hear Nez talk about this from was taken uh, from an interview with Andrew Sandoval, our our uh, our podfather, uh, our podfather's podfather. All hail Sandoval. All hail Sandoval. <laughs> uh, from 2006 that he did for um, Monkeys.com and Rhino.com. Now I say it's about 2006, even though they don't mention the year because Andrew's mentioning the 40th anniversary releases, uh, reissues of the first two albums. So this was a three-part interview. Nez talked about Video Ranch, talked about the 69 tour and all that fun stuff there. Uh, which, by the way, our, our buddies at the Monkeys Live Almanac have just recently released all three of these parts. Especially the one that I'm... They just released the one that we're taking this from. Thanks, guys, for putting it out there. While we were preparing it. That's right. Oh, we love those guys. We love those they're, guys. They're yeah, but almost as valuable as the zilch folks. That's right. <laughs> and so Nez is telling the story about this particular record which just happens to be the girl I knew somewhere. In this clip, you will hear a couple of real live, on-the-air on bit from the real Don Steele. And, uh, well, hey, Al, yep, yep. see that little button over there? Yeah, yeah the green button? Yeah, my chat let Nez take it from here. All right. Talk soon turned to the first Monkey single ever to feature a Michael Nesmith composition, as well as the first to ever feature the band playing as a band. I asked Michael, what was it like the first time he heard The Girl I Knew Somewhere on the radio? Well, it was, it was, uh, it was just full of dramatic tension because, um, we, you know, we had uh, Pontiac gave us GTOs to use for the year, you know, 66 and 67. And so I had this new uh, white Pontiac GTO convertible with three two-barrel carburetors on I mean, it, white interior. I mean, it was just really a cool car. And I don't know whether I had it this time, but it, it sticks in my head like I did. And so <clears throat> um, I was living on Sunset Plaza with Phyllis, my first wife. Uh, you know, by that time, my, I was heartbroken, and I realized that, that uh, uh, we were in the middle of a power struggle and that the, that the music didn't really count, that the Brill Building wanted control of the thing, and... Uh, uh, it, it was, you know, it was about money and it was about politics and it was about power. And uh, for me, the, the most important thing in my life is music. It's my access to the world of, of spiritual uh, values and, and all, everything I consider important. That's, that's my window into it. And so I was just, you know, beside myself. I, I had no way of 
venting it or doing anything with these emotions of, of sadness and loss and sorrow and not being able to to have anything to do with me and realizing, well, you know, they, nobody wants to put together a band. But to Bob uh, and Bert's everlasting credit, in my eyes, they had taken a stand against Kirshner, as you well know. And they had said, well, look, if the guys want to play, we'll let them play. And Kirshner had said, no, we're going we're gonna to put this... Uh, uh, we're going to put this out, and and the record's going to be, I guess, a little bit me, a little bit you. Walk out, Bill, don't you walk out, we got things to say. Talk out, let's have it talked out, and things will be okay. Girl, I don't want to fight, I'm a little bit wrong, you're a little bit right. So I said, well, Bert, here's, here's the way this comes down. If, if that's going to happen, I got to go. We made The Girl I Knew Somewhere. That's what we sound like. I'll put that up against that, that, that record. I don't, I don't know what the calculations of those records are. I don't know how the Brill Building works or who those, you know, what they, how they make all that stuff happen. Uh, but I know how this happened. And that happened with the four of us sitting in the studio playing and, and working it out around a song that one of us wrote. So I, that feels real nice to me, and, and, and that's where I want to be. And if you guys can't be there, then i got to go. So it's basically, you know, that's, that's my move. I'm going to quit <laughs> if, 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 uh, if, if, that's, if, if this is going to be the, the reality. You're going to just hand me the records, you know, on the set from time to time. I can't do it. It's, it's, it's over. So uh, Bert told me I was crazy, and then I was an idiot. And so everybody calls that Bert tells us you're quitting. Bert tells us you're not going to do it. And I said, Well, I'm I'm gonna, you know, I can't I, I can't make this work uh, this way. It's just not going to happen. So I was I had picked Phyllis up, and we were driving up to the house in this pretty new car. And the disc jockey said, Well, we've got the new Monkey single, and we're going to play it here in just a minute. And they were doing a whole lot of before announcing because at that time, a new Monkeys record was a was a big deal, and they would they would use you know they'd use like a ten minute run up to it to gather listeners, and people would run to the radio and turn the radio on, and they would get these big bumps uh, when they would play a new Monkeys record. Three twenty one KJJ Jet Set Time of the Real Don Steel Show. Stand by for that Monkeys exclusive. He was they were stacking the thing with commercials and everything, and Phyllis and I were sitting in the car. And I said, you know, if I hear a little bit me, a little bit you uh, on, on the radio, uh, that's it. I mean, we're done. And, of course, none of the, the legacy of the monkeys had happened at that time. We were still in the, in the middle of the hurricane, so it was, it was, you know, just basically back on the streets is what it would have meant. So we were, we were sitting there listening to this guy go, <laughs> go through the, the various things. And we were sitting there, and I kept getting that, you know, that feeling you get in the pit of your stomach when you start to get anxious and you start to think, oh, God, how's this going to go? Like the end of a basketball game or, or some, uh, you know, the tr a jury trial where you're waiting for the verdict to come in. I was sitting there in this car thinking, oh, God, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Because if I hear the first chords of Little Bit Me, Little Bit You, I'm out of here. I mean, that's it. And then I'm, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have, I don't have, you know, what, what can I possibly go do now if, uh, if that's the case? And so I said, and here it is. Here's the monkey's new record. It's the real Don Steele. Exclusively on Boss Radio World premiering The Girl I Knew Somewhere, Monkeys.
and it was my guitar part on uh, Growing Through Somewhere. So that, that particular lick has a very fine resonance for me at that particular moment. I can, I'll, I'll remember it all my life. So that, kiddies, is who the real Don Steele was, how important he was to the monkeydom, and I hope you enjoyed that little Nez clip there because I, I love listening to that story. So, uh, And I hope you enjoyed it, and that's why I pay homage to him because I grew up wanting to be a boss jock from the time I was four. So, <clears throat> you know, Al? You're getting a funny look about you. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to feel that. It's like... 321 KHJ Jet Set Time with the real Don Steele. Stand by. It's time on the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Monkeys podcast for the Boss Sound of the Boss remix that my boss buddy Al Bigley created just for you like a boss on Boss Radio. Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Monkeys podcast, Boss Radio 93 KHJ. So tell us, Al, what kind of remix have you got for this time? Monkeys! Well, in deference to you, sir, I've got my remix of Valerie, the original TV-only take that Rhino finally gave us, well, I say finally, it's about 25 years ago now, on Missing Links 2, I believe. Missing Links 2 had a lot of those TV cuts that so many of us begged for as official stereo releases. Love this because it's much more rock and roll. I never really cared for the horn-driven version of Valerie. Monkeys! As as heard on Birds and the Bees. So you're going to really hear me push that great fuzz tone guitar on this. Some little effects here and there. The song, like most of my remixes, is lengthened. Um, the guitar really is pushed to the fore. Extra, you know, percussion, tambourine. I got the voices kind of mixed down a little lower in it. And I added something else. I just can't seem to remember what it was. Hmm. At the beginning, there's something I added. I don't know. Could it be? Could it be? KJ Jets had time with Real Don Steele, perhaps? With that great new hit from the Monkees. That's it. I think that's it. I Exclusively added. on Boss Radio Repremiere, the Al Bigley remix of Boss Valerie on 93KHJ. Jets hit time with the real Don Steele. Monkeys! KHJ Jet Set Time right here on the Real Don Steel Show, minutes away from that brand new exclusive on Boss Radio from the Monkeys.
And also on there, I forgot, I kind of started with a mono cut, a mono version to make it seem like it's something you're hearing on an AM radio circa 1967. Case you just said time of the real Don Steele. It's so hard to snap you out of this. So anyway, um, so I, I finally segue into the stereo version of it, and I do all kinds of little things. They were Louis Sheldon's guitar, but I hope you enjoyed that. What say you? I say exclusively on Boss Radio, Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Monkeys Podcast, Monkeys! Uh, where's that mallet I keep around here? Look, here it is, okay? Oh. Alan, are you back? Alan. What, 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 huh? What, where was I? You, how many fingers why, am I wait, holding wait, up? Why do I have a headache all of a sudden? <laughs> I want you to look at this, this, this little uh, uh, drawing I've got here. What do you see? You see the bunny and the chicken? Is a bunny and a chicken. A bunny and a chicken. Okay, you're back. You're back. Okay, very good. <laughs> so, um, well, I, I got lost in a fog, but did, did, please tell me, did, did I morph into him again? Yes, Alan, it happened again, but uh, only lasted for maybe uh, about five minutes. Good. Last time, it's like it took me 20 minutes to get out of character when I did the promo. <laughs> I am so glad that you guys liked the real Don Steele did the impression that he he was he was very important he's very important boss jocks are very important to me so I, I have fun doing it so I'll keep doing it even if you don't like it <laughs> I'm just kidding well that wraps up another fun filled episode episode number nine number nine number nine number nine uh, we want to we want to tease episode ten now um, so I got to figure out I got to so, remember so if you recall. On the last promo that I did, I teased something very special for episode 10. And then this gentleman, to his credit, wrote, Nothing happened in 1992. And that was on our newly interactive, fabulous Facebook Texas Prairie Chicken page, where you can do such things. Monkeys! Yes. Alan, here's the mallet. Uh, uh, See? Don't no! No, please, not the mallet. Um, but no, uh, or is that mullet? <laughs> you going to make me wear a mullet again? Mullet will not look good with the a mullet will not look good with the fedora. I'm sorry. I thought you did that in honor of Davy circa 1986. Now the pink streaks were a bit much. But... Yeah, the ex-wife didn't like that, yeah. but that, that's why she's an ex-wife. But um, Ooh. now discussing 1992, if you listen to the promo that I did, I said we were going to celebrate the 25th, 25th anniversary of something monkeys related. Mickey cutting off his ponytail. Painting the stop painting the bald spot. Right. Okay. That's what you mean, I think. No, not no, really. Not that. No. Um. We have a our next episode, episode ten, will be a tribute to a tribute. Hmm. Um. I suppose sh- should I tell them who in- should I tell them who inspired us to do or inspired me to do this? So you want me to tell them who shall shall I tell them who inspired me to do this? I say tell them. All right. Well. The genesis for this idea, the thanks have to go out to our good buddy Ian Lee at 7A Records because of the release of the brand new tribute album, uh, Listen to the Bands. Which I still need to order, and all of you listening, please order a copy. That's right. Uh, it's a wonderful remake. From what I've, the stuff I've heard, is really good. It's on Amazon. That's right. But it's not the first Monkey's tribute album. What sayest thou? I saith that on episode 10... We're going to have a complete celebration of the very first Monkey's Tribute album. You know, when I hit you with that mallet, it makes you Mighty Thor. I mean, <laughs> sore. All right, so much for the oh, jokes. stop that. I'm so Thor. Stop it, Heimdall. I warned you not to go there, Heimdall. You're always spying on me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Don't make me thick thiff on you. Oh, God. Hit me with the mallet again, please. <clears throat> 
No, I'm going to play Hit Me With Your Rhythm Stick by Davey uh, circa 1979. Worst torture ever. Even worse than Writing Wrongs? Worst torture ever. Even worse than the 2000 Daydream Believer remix? <laughs> worst torture ever. Okay. All right. So I'm, I'm guessing it's the worst torture ever. Is that it? Worst torture ever. All right. Enough of that running gag. Isn't that dumb? All right. Who writes so, this stuff? That's right. So, episode 10. We are going to delve back into the... We're going to toss the Wayback Machine, set it for 1992. Uh, we, Some of us are way too young to even remember those years. Okay. Let me... We'll give them the hint. You've seen the... Uh, you've seen the, the statues of the, of the three simian monkeys. One that has eyes covered, one that has mouth covered, and one that has ears covered. So we've got what? We've got the version that has other things covered. But what is it? See no evil. Speak no evil and... Something. That's right. What is it? You're going to have to listen into episode 10 because we are going to have a blast celebrating this CD. This is how we get you. That's right. Give you such a gotcha to get you. So, until episode 10... Number 10? Number 10. No, no, it just doesn't work. That's right. No, no. See, that's right. Good. I'm glad you got me to change the intro for the next episode. So, uh, I am Alan, Mr. Bob Dabalina-Williams. And this is Al China Clipper Bigley. That's right. We want to throw out our shout-outs as always. First of all, thank you as always to the Podfather Ken Mills and the wonderful Zilch Podcast. Thank you to the guys at uh, the Monkeys Live Almanac for at least for bringing that interview to light, which is a great interview all the way around. Mm-hmm. Uh, Melanie Mitchell as always. All the guys over at Zilch and Sarah and Jody, uh, Christine, Carl, uh, Christine Carlson, something I forget. Lisa Ann. Yeah, all those guys over there. We love you guys. Joanne Feckenberger. Congratulations on the get closing in on a hundred episode. Right, that is quite a milestone. So, but uh, all the people who we want to thank every one of you that has joined us uh, for the first nine episodes. All the support we see on Facebook. That's right. Don't forget, if you have not joined the Facebook group yet, the, the group yet, please do so because we will be shutting down the like page probably at the end of June. It's a group group. That's right. So, um, do you want to do the legal disclaimer or you want me to do it this time? Well, this podcast is done by fans, for fans. We have no affiliation with Rhino Records or the Monkees individually or any way. No affiliation with 93KHJ. Uh, A.M. for the real Don Steele. He's been dead since 1942. Oh, wait a minute. I don't think that far back. All done for nothing but entertainment purposes. For your edification. For our edification. It is for entertainment purposes only, but it does not cost you $3.95 a minute. We claim no rights to previously copyrighted material. All returns to their original copyright owners. And as always, no deposit, no return. That's right. Thanks as always, guys. We love you. And as always, this is Alan reminding you to save the Texas prairie chicken. That's a groovy button. Thank you. <laughs>